Stompy at FF Stompy and uh, Stompy. Look, we are going to do the start sits here, and I'm looking forward to it, man. We got some really interesting matchups this week. Um, but before we get started, I do want to let everyone know about the Dynasty Crossroads podcast. Dynasty Crossroads is a podcast where Peter Howard and Jake Anderson discuss dynasty player values from both a film and analytical perspective, helping you make your final analysis on that given player. You can find the Dynasty Crossroads podcast at Podbean, Stitcher, um, and on iTunes as well. You can also go to DynastyWeekFootball.com and subscribe to the great DLF family of podcasts to find that podcast and many others. All right, Stompy. So since I let the listeners know about that, we have some very, very interesting uh, games to get to, to go into here. Um, but before we do, I do want to throw it over to Ethan and John. They're going to be covering some injuries for us so we can make some more informed decisions. So let's go ahead and do that right quick. Ethan, John, what do you got for us? John Hogue at Superflex Dude here along with Ethan Turner at eTurnerFF underscore PT for the second half of the injury report for the week. And we'll just jump right in again, Ethan. So some new injuries, obviously the scariest one definitely of the week and among the scariest that we've that we've seen in a long time. Uh, Mason Rudolph, the quarterback of the Steelers, uh, took that vicious hit from Earl Thomas. Yeah, this one is this one's tough. As a Steelers fan, uh, I think this is one of those one of those hits where, again, uh, I don't think the hit was intentionally dirty. I think that it was an illegal hit. He hit him right on the chin. Um, and basically knocked him out as soon as he hit him. I mean, he was out before he even hit the ground. You could tell. Um, he was out for a while. This is one of those injuries where you kind of take a step back as a fan, I think, and you really look and say, man, these guys are going through a lot for my entertainment. Um, obviously, they're getting paid a lot of money, but the the stuff that these guys go through from just a physical aspect is 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 kind of unreal. You know, that's that's a car crash. I mean, that's every bit of a car crash. I mean, he gets knocked out. He hits his head super hard when he hits the turf again. I mean, he's six two. Your head falling six feet onto the ground. Nothing to stop. There was no nothing. Nothing was stopping his head. I mean, he was out cold. So. With all that said, for some reason, and again, I'm going to try not to get frustrated with this because (laughs) I'm talking as a guy basically from my couch uh, with a lot of injury knowledge, discussing things that are happening that I don't know enough about to really say for with 100% certainty, but he is Rudolph's back practicing and it's in a limited fashion, but he's got pads on and the fact that he got knocked out on Sunday for almost an entire minute, he was out. Uh, the fact that he's back practicing on Wednesday, it really makes you question. I think it's a bad look for both the Steelers. Um, and we haven't even gotten into the card issue, which we, we will get into. But for the Steelers, it's a bad look um, regardless because 
are you really doing what's best for this guy? There's no way his brain has had time to heal in two days. It's impossible. I'm sorry. You can come at me. All you football guys can come at me all you want. There is no way that Mason Rudolph's brain has recovered in two days. It doesn't happen like that. Um, the NFL has to look at this and it's a stain. I mean, you got a guy knocked out on national television for a minute and he's already back practicing. This is just bad look after bad look for the NFL. We haven't even talked about the cart. Everyone was complaining. Well, people walk out of, of uh, UFC fights without a cart. Okay. Well, first off, how are you going to get a cart in a cage? Uh, that's a stupid argument. One, <laughs> Two, if that same hit happens in a high school football game, he's leaving on a stretcher, not just a cart, a stretcher. He's getting boarded. And the reason for that is when you get your head hit that hard, uh, you are your neck, there's a chance that you've broken your neck. And there's no way for you to know that on the field, which is why they typically board people who get knocked out. It's common practice. It's accepted as if somebody gets knocked out, they could have a serious neck injury. So you need to board them and put them out. Uh, again, this is, this is one of those subjects that I don't, I wasn't on the field with him. I wasn't making those decisions. I'm sure that the medical, I'm not going to go against, I, I'm not going to speak ill of the medical professionals making those types of decisions because I don't have to make them. I just find it very, very concerning that m- that it wasn't taken into account that he could have a neck injury and they, they let him walk off the field. Um, again, I don't know enough about it. It's hard for me to play a couch quarterback, but it's just one of those things that you got that combined with the fact that he's already back practicing. We know he got knocked out. Everything in my medical background tells me that this is, this is not, <laughs> not a good thing. This is not, not what, normal practices would be in this situation if it was a college kid or if it was a high school kid or a junior high kid. So why is it any different when he's 23 and playing for the NFL? I don't know. I don't understand it again, but uh, we'll, we'll move on because I'm just, I'm just going to keep getting frustrated <laughs> about it. Yeah. that I mean, that one first on several levels just makes no sense. First of all, you're not playing him against the, the LA chargers with that pass rush. You know, even if he were to co- to clear concussion protocol, like what is to be gained by putting him out there and letting him, you know, absorb hits from Joey Bosa and and you know possibly Melvin Ingram, um, plus and then you've got the bye coming up after that. Give him the two weeks. I don't yeah. know. It, it makes absolutely no sense not to. But I guess the question for you then would be, uh, based on that coming out of the bye, do you expect him? back in time for that home game against Miami that's going to be super juicy. I guess. I mean, if he's <laughs> practicing, yes, I would expect him back. Uh, again, there's there's so many reasons why he shouldn't even be practicing right now that I, I don't want to get into it. Um, but these guys play by – the NFL plays by a different rule when it comes to concussions. Again, it's it's not worth it's not worth me going into. If somebody really wants my opinions, I'll put something on Twitter about it um, on why this is why I'm so upset about this from just a medical perspective. But again, I don't I don't get to see Mason Rudolph. I don't get to talk to him. I don't get to hear about why. I don't know enough to tell you that this is a horrible decision, but everything in my gut tells me that it is. So 
I don't expect him to play this week. Very, very, very likely at this point, based on what we're seeing, that he's going to play after the bye. So another interesting one as far as concussions go, and I I mean, I hate to use the term interesting, which is a little bit belittling of of what these guys are kind of dealing with. But I I think that we've we kind of get an opportunity to uh, to get educated a little bit here on on the concussion protocol and what, you know, it's like to come back from a concussion. So, you know, we we saw that brutal hit on Mason Rudolph. And then, like you said, not only that, I mean, he's knocked out on his way to the ground, not able to brace himself and stop his head from hitting, bouncing off the turf and doing even further damage. And, you know, so, so everybody's just kind of curious about the, the recovery as far as that one goes. We also have a second one here with Sterling Shepard, obviously didn't play on Thursday night, but I believe he was concussed in consecutive weeks, right? Uh, he took a week. He had a week where he missed, so he did. Okay. He, he did have a, a week off between, but it was basically uh, two concussions within within the span of a month. Yeah. So consecutive games played, uh, he was concussed. So I guess the question there, uh, you know, beyond can we expect him back um, in uh, in week seven? I, I I think that the big the bigger question is you know, two concussions, one on top of the other like that is, does that raise more concerns for you? Is it, does it mean more time spent in a concussion protocol? Um, it, you know, is, is there, does it make it worse and mean more time missed to have a second concussion that soon after the first? Yes. Um, this is, uh, again, it's, 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 it's not interesting because these are real people that are dealing with with brain injuries concussion is a brain injury but it's interesting because it's it's so counterintuitive to what happens if you or i gets a concussion um and how we would be approached as far as treatment uh that that's what makes it interesting to me you know a high school kid gets a concussion uh that's diagnosed it very likely he misses multiple weeks um with Shepard, he comes back in two. He gets a second concussion. Okay. We talked about it with Rudolph. His brain didn't have enough time to heal. Shepard's brain didn't have enough time to heal either. Um, yeah, maybe the symptoms symptoms don't persist. You know, maybe he doesn't have those observable symptoms uh, as far as what he's telling us. Again, these guys want to play, so they're going to tell you what they need to tell you. But the fact he's had two concussions in a month, each concussion, uh, just in general, the evidence shows each concussion makes you more susceptible to another concussion and the symptoms tend to last longer. So yes, it's much more likely that he misses more time with this concussion than he missed with his previous concussion. Shepard is an interesting case because this is actually his fifth concussion. uh, We talk about that's recorded that we know of um, dating back to high school we talk about guys like Jordan Reed where they're on their seventh and now they're talking about maybe you won't play this year. Shepard's at five, um, two in one month. So uh, I do expect a longer absence. Um, luckily he has uh, a 10 day break. So he, he gets, you know, he gets the 10 days off after the Thursday night game. You know, he's obviously he's not playing in that game. So is that enough time? Maybe. Um, 
I still think that this is going to, he's probably going to miss at least one more game after that, to be honest. All right. And then uh, moving on from the concussions, at some point we're going to need to do a longer episode where we just kind of get into the science of, of that a little bit. uh, So people have a better understanding. I know. Yeah. It's a complex, I mean, medical, I'm talking as a, a medical professional. We don't know enough about them yet to say for sure if it is or is not my personal opinion is that we are going to reach a point in the NFL where if you get diagnosed with a concussion, you're required to miss at least one game. So whether that where you basically, if you get concussed in week one, you can't play week two. And I think that that is where it's going to head to. I think that's, I think that's where we're heading because the more often you see these guys like your Jordan reads of the world where they can't play because they're, their concussion symptoms are lasting weeks and months, the more you're going to say, okay, maybe we're just pushing these guys back too quickly. Um, you know, I, I worry about Mason Rudolph, especially because if he comes back and plays this week and gets another concussion, he's putting his it, it, long-term health at serious risk. I mean, just very serious stuff. Second, um, second concussion syndrome is a real thing. And it is, I mean, it's life threatening. So we're talking, we're not talking about just like a, a sprained ankle here. This is just a brain. So yeah, it, it's, I, I would love to go into it long form. Cause I think it's just a, again, it's hard cause it's, it's not interesting, but it's fascinating to me to kind of understand it and try to articulate it to people that maybe don't know as much about it. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's important and I think it's uh, really useful for people. So um, uh, especially is that, is that research kind of develops um, and the concussion protocol becomes more refined. Um, But yeah, for the, for our purposes where we're trying to get through it as fast as possible, we'll have to move on for now, but yeah, we're definitely going to have to revisit that uh, with a little bit more time to spend on it. So his, his teammate though, Evan Ingram uh, missed the Thursday night game as well. Do we expect him back fairly soon? I actually do. He's dealing with an MCL sprain. Um, from from all accounts, this is pretty minor. I think this is missing Thursday is is a uh, precautionary take just to give him an, again that extra ten days to recover. Um, the MCL heals itself for the most part. So if it's a minor a minor sprain um, or strain, you know it, it's really not uh, not something that I'm super concerned about. Um, he did have an MCL injury last year, and I think he missed two or three weeks. So. Two weeks is 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 pretty. If it's a minor issue, I think that's plenty of time for him to come back. All right, we'll get on. We'll get to some uh, some updates here on some guys who have uh, who have been injured and been missing some time, um, and kind of some expected return dates possibly. So first up is AJ Green. So Green is still recovering from from the ankle injury he had in the preseason. He's already been ruled out for week six, uh, so don't expect him back this week. Um, I still think we're a couple of weeks out before we're even talking about him returning. So uh, again, this is Green was almost guaranteed to be a bad draft pick this year in fantasy because he's just not going to play enough games, even if he's elite to justify where you had to take him and how much time he's missing. I mean, yeah, it's great that you have AJ green. And even if he puts up 20 points and you win two more weeks, I mean, you're talking about losing out on six or seven or eight weeks of production. That's just, 
just kind of crazy to me um, from a fantasy perspective. So, uh, yeah, I, I expect Green back soon, somewhat soon, um, sooner than he, than where he was week one. But, uh, again, I, I still think you're probably going to be disappointed. How about Case Keenum? He missed week five. Uh, do we expect him back for week six? And if uh, if not, is is it more of a long-term injury? Keenum's dealing with kind of a foot slash ankle. That it's kind of a mysterious, always hurt. So let's give the rookie a chance to play. Um, but now we're talking about, and again, this is this is limited info, but the reports are right now that they're expecting Keenum to come back and start against the Dolphins. Um, not sure that's the best idea, but man, it really looked like. Uh, Dwayne Haskins wasn't ready. So, you know, if Keenum is the guy that, that you want playing, you got to start your guy. Um, I think the Redskins are trying to maybe win. The Dolphins definitely aren't. So, uh, I don't know. I'd probably stick with the rookie just from a confidence perspective. You got to see what you got. If you're going to be have a bad team, you might as well know. So, um, I think you. I think they should throw the rookie in there, but it looks like Keenum's going to play. How about Sam Darnold? We've been without him for what a month now, uh, week yeah. two through week five. Yeah, so right at a month, um, dealing with mono, kind of a weird. We've talked about it multiple times, so I won't get into it. Uh, the big thing we were waiting on his spleen to shrink back to an acceptable level because uh, the spleen swells um, when when you deal with mononucleosis. The the uh, mono um, basically your spleen swells and it could be uh hit and ruptured so that was the big concern that was why he wasn't playing um but all the signs are pointing to him starting week six so he should be good to go nice what about drew Brees with that thumb injury um he's uh he's now missed two and a half weeks essentially um is uh is there a return on the near horizon here Breeze is dealing with this. He had UCL surgery, which is basically the ulnar collateral ligament in the thumb, um, also called skier's thumb if you want to Google it. But um, he's throwing footballs on Instagram. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I always kind of uh, – it's not to, not, to, not to say he's not throwing footballs. I'm sure he's throwing footballs just like – um, Andrew Luck was was running. Uh, that doesn't mean that he's like ready to throw footballs in an NFL game. It's not the same thing. Um, so uh, again, I think all it's telling us is that he's on track to return in that sixty-eight week mark. Maybe he comes back a couple weeks sooner. But if Teddy Bridgewater can kind of hold the ship um, at that five hundred level without him, they're going to give Breeze as much time as they need. And how about Tyree Kill? Uh, we've been without him since early in week one. Uh, is his return imminent? I think Hill's return is imminent. He's practicing. Uh, he's still limited this week as of as of Wednesday night. So hopefully he gets some full practices in. But they were talking about possibly starting him. Um, the, the team didn't look as good as they have been in, in weeks past. Um, you know, they, they obviously took a loss at a, an indie team that has a pretty good defense, but I think they're looking for that spark that Hill provides. I mean, obviously an elite wide receiver, um, not an elite human being, but an elite wide receiver nonetheless. Um, and so I think that, I, I think we could be looking at a return this week for Tyreek Hill. 
And Albert Wilson, we've been missing him for most of the season so far. I think he also went out in week one, if I remember correctly. So that's one that I personally have been really excited for. So uh, when do we see Albert Wilson back? So Wilson's dealing with a calf strain. Um, tentatively, he is expected to return in week six, but you know, you, you never be totally sure, 100% sure that he's going to come back. Uh, biggest thing I'm worried about at this point is it, with a calf injury, it kind of predisposes him to an Achilles um, injury, and, and that is not what you want to see. But again, most Achilles tears – result from an injury to the area previously that puts them at risk for a total rupture. So the risk is still small, but it's worth noting that that is um, that he's in a heightened risk for something like that happening. So expect him to play. I don't expect him to tear his Achilles. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the risk for him doing so is slightly increased because of this injury. And Hunter Henry, um, man, that felt like that was going to be a long-term injury uh, that he was maybe even headed for IR, never actually got designated. And now uh, it's time for an update. I think it sounds like he might be uh, close to a comeback as well. Yeah, it's looking like he, you know, he's, he's resumed practicing in a limited fashion. It looks like this week could be the earliest he comes back. I think they give him another week off. Um, I don't think he's going to come back quite this soon, but it is a good sign that he's practicing again. All right. And then we got some, just a few questionables here. Uh, some players who are listed as questionable. So we'll do the same as we did yesterday and just go red, yellow, green on these guys. Um, green, of course, meaning that you expect them to play and they're a full go. Uh, yellow meaning that there's a chance that they're they're a game time decision and there's still a chance that they miss and red meaning you just you don't expect this player to play at all so sammy watkins watkins is dealing with a hamstring strain that knocked him out in basically the first series of, of sunday's game um in week five Watkins has a history of these kinds of things lingering longer than 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 normal, so I'm going to say red light. I don't expect him to play this week. Uh, hamstring strain is one of those things that tends to take people out for a week, um, possibly two. So I think Watson is Watkins is probably going to sit this week, especially if they can get Tyreek Hill back again. That's another reason that Watkins is hurt. Uh, this could be a reason why they're kind of hoping that that Hill returns because the, this team did not look as good. Once Watkins left, they, they got pretty bottled up in a hurry. So uh, I'm going to go red light. I don't expect him to play. Um, hoping for a Tyreek Hill return. And Mark Andrews. Andrews is dealing with a shoulder injury and this is new because he has been on the injury report of uh, basically all season with an ankle issue. Uh, but now he's listed with the shoulder. It's a new entry. There's not a whole lot out there on it. I'm going to go yellow light just because there's not enough info for me to really make a, an educated decision on this. Um, and until there is, that's a, again, why you got to follow me on Twitter so that you can get these, these updates as the new information comes in. Um, uh, so right now I'm going to say yellow light, uh, I think he plays, um, and I don't think this really bothers him. But um, because it's new and I don't have enough info, well, I'm gonna st I'm gonna stick with the yellow light. So make other plans, get a contingency plan together, and then turn on the notifications. You're already following Ethan at eTurnerFF underscore PT. So make sure uh, that you turn on the notifications and keep up with him on that one. 
Uh, and then finally, Hollywood Marquise Brown. Brown is doing with an ankle injury. Um, the team has described this as kind of a minor issue. They're not really concerned about it. I'm going to say green light. I expect him to play. I don't think this is really going to bother him too much. Um, uh, we're hoping for another big week uh, for Marquise Brown. It's, uh, it, that whole Ravens offense looked like they were going to burn the world down, and then they've they've kind of tapered off uh, a little bit. They're still good, but they're not nearly what we saw week one against Miami, which maybe it's just because they were playing Miami. But um, I expect Mark to, Marquise Brown to to, uh, to play in this game. All right, that's going to do it for this week. So, Ethan, thank you for the injury report. And uh, again, make sure that you're following him at eTurnerFF underscore PT. Uh, his, uh, his timeline is going to keep you posted on all of those game time decisions. And uh, we'll do it again next week with your start sits. So good luck in week six. Back to you guys. All right. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Uh, so Stompy, you are first up here. You've got uh, actually I am first up here. I have the Seahawks. Taking on the Cleveland Browns and your Cleveland Light, Browns and how my, terrible those Cleveland Browns look. Let's well, right yes, yes, they do look terrible, but that was never my quarterback. I just want to state for the Fair record, enough. <laughs> Baker was never my quarterback. However, my green light in this one's Chris Carson. And really, we just saw San Francisco tear Cleveland apart on the ground. I mean, it didn't matter what back was in there, whether it was Bereda, whether it was Moser, whether it was Tevin Coleman. I mean, it just didn't matter. They were they were just running for chunk plays. And I know San Francisco and that zone running scheme under Kyle Shanahan has always been able to have some success on the ground, but that that looked really bad. Well, now you have six days. You're, you're on a short week to try to fix that rush defense, and you're going against a team in the Seattle Seahawks that excels in the power running game. I don't think this is good for Cleveland. Cleveland is at home, but I think the way to beat Cleveland at home is to pound the pound the rock. I think Chris Carson's going to see a heavy load. I think you could start him with confidence. He's going to put up another good performance, um, and and I would expect uh, his his train to keep rolling here. My yellow light's Tyler Lockett, and the only reason why he's a yellow light for me, honestly, is because the Browns are welcoming back. It sounds like they're welcoming back their two starting cornerbacks um, in Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams. Sounds like both those guys are going to be back for this matchup. Um, so th those corners are pretty good, and I expect them to be, you know, keyed in and trying to lock down Tyler Lockett. I expect bracket coverage on him, make somebody else beat you in the passing game type thing. So I, I think this might be a tough one for Tyler Lockett on the road going to Cleveland. I think he's going to be the guy that they're going to try to take away in that offense. My red light is Nick Chubb, and look, I love Nick Chubb, but man, Seattle is really good against the run and not very good against the pass. If you're going to beat them, you have to figure out how to block up front for Baker, and Baker's got to figure out a way to get the ball out of his hands quicker. Um, but you do it through the air. Unfortunately, you don't do it through on the ground. So to me, hey, look, I know if you have Nick Chubb, you're starting him. He's, he's one of the top five or six running backs so far this year, um, so you're going to use him. But I would just say if, if, if on the you know the off chance you, you have some better options, um, you know, I think this would be a week where you didn't really have to throw him out there. And if you do just temper your expectations, I just don't think he's going to be, uh, he's going to put up his best numbers in this matchup here. I could see him getting ignored, honestly, a little bit in that rushing attack. So, um, Stompy, you have the Texans and the chiefs next, but before we get into that, do you have anything to add on my Seahawks and Browns uh, analysis here? Yeah. I mean, I guess, <laughs> and this is coming from a guy who has a, Chubb for Chubb. Every time, every time I talk about Nick Chubb, I have to say that. Um, I can't 
necessarily get behind the the red light on Nick Chubb now. The uh, Seahawks have given up 37.1, 21.9, and 20.7 fantasy points to running backs over the last three weeks. Um, a significant portion of that was in through the air, and Nick Chubb, while he has been more involved through the air, I mean, he has – uh, four, four, seven, four, and he only had one target last week. Um, but he's involved. He at least has twenty targets on the season, which uh, is almost as much as we saw it. Uh, he had last season. Um, and and he just put up eighty-seven yards on the ground against arguably one of, or arguably the best. I mean, maybe maybe we. It's kind of a who's second best defense right now to New England, but I mean, San Francisco's defense has been playing out of their minds. I believe they are. First overall against the run in terms of DVOA, uh, they've allowed, I believe, the fewest fantasy points to running backs on the season. And Nick Chubb, while he didn't have a fantastic game, he's had the be- he had the best game to date against the 49ers. And the Seattle, Seattle Seahawks are not the 49ers, so I I don't necessarily agree there. I th- I can agree that he's a yellow light, a bit of a yellow light there, but he just he gets so much volume on the ground and he is the only running back that's really getting touches that I don't see him so much as a red light um this week. Now, somebody like Jarvis Landry, maybe Odell Beckham is kind of what I'm looking for red lights in terms of the Browns because I don't know what's going on. Um there's just there's a perfect storm of Baker having a sophomore slump being exposed as not nearly the quarterback that he was his rookie season, bad play calling from Freddie Kitchens, and they should be giving it over to Todd Bonkin. And then uh, what amounts to probably the most devastating trade was trading Kevin Zeitler for Olivier Vernon. Um, and that has affected the offensive line there. So I think <sighs> – like you said, I don't think you're ever going to sit Nick Chubb because, and I will argue this till I'm red in the face. Nick Chubb is arguably the best running back on the ground in the game right now. Um, so I don't necessarily agree there. Uh, everything else I'm on board with though. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, again, Nick Chubb is going to be a guy you're going to start week in and week out. It will be interesting to see how the Browns attempt to attack this Seahawks team. Uh, I just don't, I don't know. I, I, maybe the answer is getting Nick Chubb involved a little bit more in the passing game. Maybe that um, allows Baker to get the ball out of his his hand a little quicker and kind of um, you know hide some of the offensive line deficiencies yeah. on this team. So maybe that's the way to do it, Stompy. And if, if he does, if, if that's the way that the Browns actually figure out to move the ball here, that would be a coup for Nick Chubb, and I think it would be a coup for the Browns as well. Um, all in all, and, so, and Landry and and maybe Ricky Seals Jones and, and OBJ might be the guy that's left out here. Um, of course, they we've had rumors this week that they're shopping OBJ. So who knows what's going on in Cleveland right now? Yeah, we'll 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 see about. I I don't know how much stock I put into that, but let's let's go on to the next game. You have the Houston Texans going to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. I expect about a million green lights in this one with the offenses running rampant, but I could be wrong. So let's see who do, who do you got for your uh, your green, yellow, and red lights here, Stomp? Well, I, I think you're right that you want to be starting most of your Texans and Chiefs. The over-under for this game is 56, so this is going to be extremely high scoring. Um, two not very good defenses, two very good offenses. Uh, so obvious green lights, uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Deshaun Watson, 
they're going to be a lot of scoring again. You're, and you're going to throw the ball, obviously, to get those scores. Um, and the in the guys who are benefiting from throwing um, Tyree Kill, if he plays, uh, will he he's been limited this week. Um, so we'll see if he plays this week. If not, then it's probably uh, Mecole Hardman and Byron Pringle. Um, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I know he's had a rough go early on, but when you're facing the Chiefs and you're going to be throwing a lot, DeAndre Hopkins obviously has to be involved. Obviously, Will Fuller with Kenny Stills out. Will Fuller has returned, or at least last week he returned to um, to Jajon Watson's favorite target with over 200 yards and I believe two touchdowns. Maybe it was one touchdown. Um Regard no, it was three touchdowns. I apologize. He had three touchdowns last week. Yeah, it was three <laughs> touchdowns, was and he was tackled at the one twice. There you go. So, um, so I, I mean, Fuller, I, I think, is a green light this week, especially with that uh, Chiefs secondary not very good. Yellow lights are the running backs. So, D- Damian Williams, LaShawn McCoy, Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, all yellow lights. Obviously, they are in somewhat of, of committees, so their ceilings are limited. However, Damian Williams saw nine carries to McCoy's zero last week, and he actually saw four targets to McCoy's two. So that- wait a minute, wait a wait a minute, real quick, real quick. I, yeah. I noticed something here, Stompy. Yes, I noticed that you mentioned the running backs, and you mentioned Williams and McCoy and um, and Duke. Did you mention Carlos Hyde as well? I did. Oh man, that's interesting. So yeah. Carlos Hyde's not on your so red much. white, even though he's just a jag, right? Yeah, I hate it so much <laughs> but i think that says more well actually i it does it does say something about carlos hyde this season i don't really understand what's going on there obviously the running um the the run blocking has been a lot better for the texans this season carlos hyde has benefited from that though duke johnson should be getting more touches which is absolutely crazy that you would trade for Duke Johnson and then not use him whatsoever. Um, but yes, Carlos Hyde is a yellow light. Kansas city chiefs, uh, run defense is not good. <laughs> um, and Carlos Hyde has actually looked surprisingly good thus far. So I will, I, I don't know if it's, that's taking the L, but I will, I don't know, whatever, James, shut up. Um, I know that you're fine. You're fine. I admitted that I think he's just a jag too. So I'm, I'm eating a little crow at this point right now as well. Um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, back to, uh, Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy, and I'm going to pull up their snap counts here really quick. It was just interesting to me that Damian Williams, after being out two weeks, took over that backfield basically. I mean, they weren't, they didn't obviously give the running backs too much in terms of, um, the touches, but yeah, Damian, Damian Williams saw 35 snaps to McCoy's 14. So it's Damian Williams backfield once again. Um, but McCoy is there. He will get some touches. So his, uh, his upside is limited. Um, and then a, a surprising yellow light here is, uh, Travis Kelsey. Obviously you're not sitting him, uh, top two tight end, probably the best tight end in the league, but, the Houston Texans have been fantastic against tight ends. They've allowed the second fewest fantasy points to tight ends this season. And it's not as if they've faced a easy schedule. I mean, they've had, uh, well, at, at least over the last two weeks, they've had Greg Olson and Austin Hooper and held those two to 
eight catches on 13 targets for 61 yards. Hooper last week put up 11.6 PPR points. So, yeah, Kelsey's going to get volume. He's going to get yardage, but he's probably not going to be the top tight end this week. Um, and it's, that's especially true if he goes back and um, gets more or pulls some of those targets away. Um, I've already mentioned Byron Pringle. He had he caught six and nine targets for over 100 yards and a touchdown last week. Sammy Watkins did not practice for two days in a row and has a hamstring issue, as Sammy Watkins does. Um, and it seems like Byron Pringle now is benefiting from that instead of Demarcus Robinson. And then I also put Darren, is it Darren Fells? Can't ever, who knows what the name of the tight ends for, for Houston. It's Darren Fells. <laughs> it is Darren Fells, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Darren, it's best guess who's going to get the red zone targets, but they have seven combined red zone targets. I believe this season, um, Darren Fells has, uh, Two of the last three weeks, he's had double-digit fantasy points, and Kansas City has not been good against tight ends. Um, they are giving up the six most fantasy points to tight ends this season, and if if Darren Fells proves to be a red zone weapon for uh, for Dejon Watson um, from here on, he may get an opportunity or two in the red zone or in the end zone. Uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. So he is also a yellow light for me. And then um, red light Kiki, I, he had three catches for 72 yards. I don't know how much you can really expect that from Kiki, especially with Duke there, especially with Darren Fells there. I mean, it might be a high high enough volume game that you do see him um, get respectable numbers, but I'm not going to bank on that. So he's basically my only guy that I'm not really trusting to start this week. Yeah, and that all makes sense to me. I think there's a lot of red and uh, or a lot of green and yellow lights in this one. White would be expected, and the red white of Kiki. I just, I, I think you're right. Consistency is going to be a big issue with him. Looks like he's going to be a boomer bust type play. Uh, you know, a guy who's going to either haul in that long catch or two to make his day, and um, if not, then you know you're going to expect single digit fantasy points. So that's that's a a good bench in my opinion. I next game well, I've got snow. Well, yeah, why don't why don't you tell me about what could be either the worst game of the week or the most exciting game of the week. Yeah, yeah. Th- this one I guess could go either way, but even if you're excited about it, you're excited about it because one of these teams is going to be the front runner for the the number one overall pick after this week. And that's the Redskins going to Miami to take on the Dolphins. This one's interesting. Um, neither of these teams like to play defense, but um, both offenses have been kind of inconsistent. So my green white here is Terry McLaurin. Look, he looks to be healthy. Xavier uh, Xavier Howard has not been the cornerback one that we've expected him to be in past seasons. And I think with Case Keenum back at the helm, it sounds like he's going to be the starting quarterback again this week in Miami. Um, I, I think the chemistry that he's, he's developed with Terry McLaurin, we start to see that develop again. Um, again, this, this defense for Miami doesn't really stop anyone. So I can, uh, I can just go ahead and go to the best offensive player, I think in this matchup. And to me, it's Terry McLaurin, at least, uh, so far this year and, and put him as the green light. I think he's the guy that I would start over anybody else in this game. Um, he's just been fantastic this year when he's suited up uh, even against new England, he actually put up some numbers that we thought, well, you know, it was going to be bare and it was uh, for Washington when they played new England, but this is a much better matchup against a, a, a much worse defense. So I like Terry McLaurin a lot this week, my yellow white, 
here Stompy is Adrian Peterson and it sounds like Bill Callahan wants to run the ball and it seems like that's going to be um kind of going to be what they're going to do that that's the approach they're going to take is to run the ball a little bit more and I I you know that goes a little contradictory to what I said about Terry McLaurin being my green light however we haven't really seen a consistent running game from the Washington team from this Washington Redskins team all year. Um, Adrian Peterson has struggled mightily even when given the opportunity. Um, and I don't know that Chris Thompson's the back that they're going to use when they're trying to pound the ball, you know, in between the tackles 20 times. So um, if that's the case, if they are really going to commit to the running game, I could see Adrian Peterson putting up some decent numbers and being fantasy relevant. I just would keep it in check. We haven't seen him look very good at all this year. There hasn't even been really a flash. So to me, I, I want to see it before I really trust it week in and week out or, you know, trust it in a positive matchup. So for me, I mean, this is, you know, if you have some bye week issues and you need a flex play, I could see putting Adrian Peterson in there. I just wouldn't expect the world because we're hearing that they're going to run the ball more. I wouldn't uh, expect his numbers to, to skyrocket because, you know, Washington's committed to the run. I just don't think they have the personnel to make that make that a, uh, a weekly play, and we'll see how committed they are to it um, this week. We've heard coaches talk about, you know, this and that and the other thing and, you know, talk up one player just to not use them. So, you know, we, we don't really know. It's kind of a wait-and-see approach. My red white is Kenyon Drake. Um, and what Kalen Balage is, is he's not even a red white. He's almost droppable at this point with news that Mark Walton has passed him on the depth chart. Mark Walton's going to see more opportunities. I think this Miami team is playing for the future. I don't think anybody really is going to debate me on that. I think they want to see what they have with Mark Walton. I could see him getting a more opportunity um, in this game. And, you know, the, the Miami Dolphins really using these next few weeks to showcase some of their younger talent. So to me, he is a red-white. I'm going to give you a sneaky play. I'm going to give you one sneaky play in this game, and that is going to be our boy Stompy. Bird alert, Albert Wilson is, is finally coming back and he's playing a Washington defense that stinks. Um, Preston Williams has been good, but he's had some, some concentration lapses and, and had some mental drops, um, you know, over, over the course of these last couple games here. So I think Albert Wilson, all he needs is one big play to make his day against this defense. They're susceptible to giving up that one big play. I really am excited for Albert Wilson to kind of see his first extended action of the year with Josh Rosen. I really want to see how it goes this week. Sounds like he's not going to be on a snap count or anything either. So if, if that news continues and that's, that's a positive trend, I wouldn't mind throwing Albert Wilson out there as a deeper play if you really are hit with bye weeks. Um, what do you think, Stomp? I can only hope that Albert Wilson actually does something this week. We'll see. I mean, if there's going to be a week, it's going to be this week that he actually does something. I actually have Adrian Peterson as a green light this week, believe it or not. The Dolphins have given up seven double-digit fantasy days to running backs in four weeks. I mean, that's absolutely wild. Uh, three 100-yard games already, um, five touchdowns on the ground, another two through the air. I, they are just so tremendously bad against running backs that I really think Adrian Peterson is going to have a huge day, like top 12 type day this week. Um, so he's extremely startable for me. But I get, I get why he's a yellow light for you, obviously it being temper expectations for us startable, but temp temper your expectations. Adrian Peterson just has not looked good this season. That offensive line has not looked good. And I mean, you do have to temper expectations a little bit with this running game. Another one, interesting one that I like this week is case Keenum, who seems to 
first and foremost, God knows what's going on there anymore after the firing of Jay Gruden, and now they've had three quarterbacks play already. Uh, but it seems like Case Keenum's going to start. Case Keenum had a fantastic start to the season. Then he kind of threw up a couple duds there. But um, Terry McLaurin did well with Case Keenum. So I like Case Keenum this week. Obviously, Miami is a tremendously bad defense, and everybody's going to put up fantasy points against them. So it, like you said, if we're, we're entering bye weeks, and if you're – Hurting for a quarterback, Case Keenum's really not a bad option for streaming. I'm actually considering um, starting him over Kirk Cousins this week, despite Kirk Cousins playing Philadelphia um, as my QB2 in one of my super flex leagues. Wow. Yeah, that's something because I really like Cousins' matchup um, this week against uh, an Eagles defense that's really um, giving up a lot of yards through the air. Kirk Cousins coming off his first 300-yard game. But, no, I think – I think you're right. I think uh, Case Keenum is definitely startable this week. Um, the Adrian Peterson thing, I could definitely see him going off and having a top 12 week. I think that's in the realm of possibilities for his finishes. I also feel like he could be outside the top 24 when all said and done. So he's he's a little bit of a risky play for me. He's a high upside guy, so I, I get it. If you're if you're projected to lose and you you know you need to to take an upside play, I know it's hard to say this or weird to to say this, but Adrian Peterson to me, is a high upside play this week. Um, so I, I think that's kind of where he fits in for me. But Stompy, let's go to the next game. You have the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. This one's really interesting. I'm kind of all over the map on these players. Help me out here. Who, who are the who are the green whites, who are the red whites, and who are the yellow whites that we proceed with caution on? I think this is another high-scoring game uh, this week. Uh, the over-under is 48 uh, Two. Real, I mean, the Ravens have had bad defense as well. Too bad to defenses. Um, Ravens have obviously have a very good offense. The Bengals have a Jekyll and Hyde offense, I suppose. Uh, didn't look good the first half against Arizona, but came back and, and only lost by three. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of green lights here. I, I think you're starting basically all your Ravens. Lamar Jackson, uh, Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, um, and and uh, Mark Ingram, the the Ray or the the Bengals have actually been okay against wide receivers, um, but that's because they've been so bad against uh, so bad against the run. Um, they've actually allowed the uh, fifth fewest fantasy points to wide receivers um, this season, which is kind of astounding to me. But I don't. I think that's more of a game script thing than anything. Um, I, I expect Hollywood Brown to get back in a groove here. I expect Mark Andrews to um, continue what he's been doing. Um, but I, I think the big start here is is Mark Ingram. I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals have given up uh, the second most fantasy points per game to running backs. Um, they've given up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine double-digit fantasy days two running backs over five weeks. So they are just as bad as Miami in terms of giving up um, fantasy points to running backs. So Mark Ingram is like I almost arguably the start of the week this week in terms of running backs, maybe of all the positions. I think he's just going to absolutely run all over the place on the Bengals. And it's going to be, I think, a lopsided score because the Ravens offense is just that good. 
Um, I think you can also start Andy Dalton this week as a green light. Uh, like I said, the Baltimore Ravens have just not been fantastic on the defensive side of the ball. Um, though they only gave, though they only gave up um, 16 points last week, largely because of that vicious hit on Mason Rudolph. Um, they gave up three straight games of well over 300 yards passing. Uh, and now Tony Jefferson is down with, I, is a, I believe, a torn ACL. Um, Jimmy Smith, I don't know if he's back. So, yeah, that outside receiver might be shut down with Marlon Humphrey, but I think Tyler Boyd's a, a good green light start here. Andy Dalton's probably going to have a good game for and, and is a streamable quarterback as well. Um, so, and like I said, Boyd is a green light Um He's stepped up into that wide receiver one role like many thought he would, and A.J. Green is on the way back too, so he might, it might get get even better. Um, yellow lights, I think on Tate is actually might be startable this week um, if the Bengals are going to have to throw a lot. On Tate has a chance for a touchdown and, and a few targets, so if you're in need of wide receiver help over these bye weeks, on Tate's not a bad, um, a bad start. Joe Mixon. I, the the numbers are a little bit sneaky on the Ravens against running backs. And again, that's because of game scripts with the Ravens. They just score a ton of points. And while the Ravens have only given up, it's the, they've given up the 15, 15th most fantasy points to running backs. So they're really middle of the pack. They have actually given up a lot of yards, especially um, over the last few weeks. They've given up, five uh, double-digit fantasy days since week three over the last three games. Um, they gave up that 165-yard game and three touchdowns to Nick Trubb. Uh, Connor had 55 yards and a touchdown as well. Um, LaShawn McCoy had 54 yards and a touchdown, um, and, and they gave up a few um, receptions and targets per game. So Joe Mixon might be in for a, a decent day, though, game script might take him out of that a little bit. So his ceiling might be limited. So that is why he is a yellow light. Um, Willie Sneed leads the Ravens wide receivers in terms of snap share. He is also a yellow light. He's got a couple touchdowns this week or, or this season. Tyler Eifert uh, Ravens haven't been good against tight end. So he is a yellow light. Um, and then I, I actually put Gus Edwards as a yellow light, and that's just how bad this running defense is, is Gus Edwards might get in there and might get double-digit carries and might get you 50-plus yards and could score a touchdown. Um, and that might be more of a sneaky DFS play. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if you are in, in dire straits, Gus Edwards is not a bad play this week. And then red lights, um, Justice Hill just hasn't been on the field. He's not been a threat whatsoever to Mark Ingram, like many have thought. And then Gio has not gotten as many snaps as we thought, nor has he been as involved as he has in the past. Yeah, I really like that Stompy, especially the uh, the the Gus Edwards call. I mean, when you said, what was it, that nine different running backs have had double days or is yep. it kind of running back? Yeah, I, nine, nine, nine different, different running backs have double-digit fantasy point days in five weeks. In, which means, I mean, that's just it. And Gus Edwards yeah. has been involved. You know, this team runs the ball enough and – 
and Gus Edwards has seen uh, you know some some carries, so um, it might not take many carries for him to get to those double digits against this run defense. So I, I yeah. love it, Stompy. And, and, hey, and um, I mean, if if he and, and 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 if he has like a goal line touch, I mean, he's basically made your day right there. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, absolutely for him to get to double digits. Um, Stompy, before I go to, into my next game, I do want to let our listeners know about our sponsor, the FF Mercenaries. Listen, a goal without a plan. So stop wishing and start planning for your fantasy championship with the A's. Fantasy football mercenaries love it when a plan. And this A team of fantasy football minds is here to help you map out your path to fantasy glory. Whether you're looking for draft strategy during or through dynasty roster consultations, in-season support, alternate score DFS expertise, the Mercs are there to help you develop and execute the strategy that will help you destroy your league. So sign up now for your one-on-one consultation with a strategic specialist for your unique and specific needs. Be sure to visit ffmercs.com. Promo code Superflex Show. All right, so stop. The next game I got for you, I have the Saints and the Jaguars. And uh, this, to me, is a, a very interesting game. This this game changed a little bit because it sounds to me like Jalen Ramsey is going to play. He's practicing, okay? And if he's practicing and he is going to play, that, that means that he's going to be on Michael Thomas. I believe he's going to shadow Michael Thomas. And to me, that's... Uh, man, I mean, that that takes him away, you know, that that really lowers him, my expectations on Michael Thomas. And look, I love Michael Thomas. I love what he's able to do. He really wins by at the catch point and he's he's able to do things even while he's covered. Um, so I think he he still may have some fantasy impact, but I don't know that my green light's going to be. Um, I really feel like the Saints are going to get him involved. We look at what the the Jaguars did last week, and uh, while, while it was uh, an entertaining game for us to watch, at least when they took on the uh, the Carolina Panthers, um, yeah, McCaffrey did not look. There is no back in the league that is Christian McCaffrey, but Alvin Kamara is probably the closest comparison I have to him. I think Alvin Kamara can have a really nice game here against this uh, Jacksonville defense, especially if they're going to try to take Michael Thomas away. Uh, I think Alvin Kamara is going to be the focal point of this offense, and I really, really like his chances of putting up a monster day. Um, the blueprint's out there. We just saw it last week on how to do that against this Jags defense. Now it's the, now the Saints have to follow it. Um, look, they're on the road here. They're not at home. Teddy Bridgewater is going to have to score some points, I think, and, uh, and I could see Alvin Kamara being the beneficiary of that, at least the main beneficiary of that. So he's my green-white. Lock him and load him. I think you can expect big things from Kamara this week. My yellow light is DJ Shark. And look, I like DJ Shark a lot. He has had a fantastic year. He seems to catch a touchdown all the time. But he is going to be locked up with uh, with Marcus Lattimore, I would think, more times than not. And that's that's a problem because Lattimore is very, very good against opposing wide receivers. So expectations, look, you can't sit him. He's been too good. There's no way you're sitting him at this point. You have to start him. You have to play him. But if you do play him, just temper your expectations. Uh, Lattimore is a very good corner. I wouldn't expect a big week for him. I think best case scenario, you hope that he gets 30 or 40 yards and finds the end zone to kind of save his fantasy day. I don't expect big things. My red-white here is Teddy Bridgewater. And look, I, I have a feeling they're going to rely on the running game, on short passes to Alvin Kamara, and I don't know that that's going to get Teddy Bridgewater the numbers that is uh, – that 
that is going to make him fantasy relevant at the end of the day. So obviously there's not a lot of guys that I'm putting on the red white list with bye weeks and such, but if you have a better option than Teddy start him this week, um, I really feel like he could struggle again. Jalen Ramsey is back. If he can't, Find a way to get Michael Thomas the ball. This passing game really struggles. Uh, they have Alvin Kamara. Jared Cook hasn't been great. Um, Ted Ginn Jr. hasn't been great. Um, you know, we've been waiting on other receivers to kind of step up, like uh, like Traquan Smith, and we just haven't seen it. There really isn't a lot of receiving options on this team right now. Um, the main ones are Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. If you can find a way to take one of them out of the game, you're going to have to rely heavily on the other, and I think it affects Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know that he's as good as Drew Brees is. Uh, me a red white of this game is Teddy Bridgewater. So Stompy, uh, am I off on this one or, or you, you kind of see things the same way? Well, so I'm not going to say, I, I don't think you missed your green light because I do think that Alvin Kamara, obviously I, he's a green light to me regardless. Um, and the Jaguars run defense has not been good this season. They've given up the eighth most fantasy points two running backs this season. Um, and like you said, uh, CMC just absolutely tore them apart. Um, but I think you missed in terms of who the ultimate green light of this game will be. And I think it's um, DD Westbrook, uh, the saints. I- I'm going to, I'm going to kind of read off some statues. So the saints have just not been good against wide receivers in general, but I'm going to read some stats off to you. So Kenny Stills had 12.7 fantasy points in week one. Cooper Cup had 17.6 fantasy points, 120 receiving yards. Uh, Tyler Lockett had 154 receiving yards, one touchdown. Um, And Chris Godwin had 125 yards and two touchdowns for 31.5 fantasy points against the Saints. You want to tell me what they all have in common? I think a lot of those guys do their work from the slot, don't they? Yes, they do. And I believe all of them have over a 50% snap share from the slot. And that means that PJ, and the reason is they face PJ Williams. PJ Williams ranks, I believe, 112th among quarterbacks in PFF grades. He is atrociously bad. And that, I mean, Marcus Lattimore hasn't been fantastic. DeAndre Hopkins had uh, 31 fantasy points. Brandon Cooks had 16.6. Mike Evans actually got shut down uh, last week. Um, But the point is that D.D. Westbrook plays 78% of his snaps from the slot, and he's going to be facing P.J. Williams a ton this week. So I think that this is this is a DD Westbrook week, and you should be starting him in DFS in in weekly lineups. You should be starting him anywhere and everywhere you can. Um, I do I do agree that DJ Shark is a yellow light because Marcus Lattimore will probably be shadowing him. But um, apparently last week Shark was moved into the slot thirty percent of the time, so it seems like they want to get Shark the ball. So. I think his upside is definitely capped because of Marcus Lattimore, but he might have a better day than we actually think. Um, But yeah, so I actually like the Jacksonville passing game this week. I really hate Fournette. Um, I think Fournette is a red light this week as well because the Saints are actually good against the run. They're atrocious against the pass. So in order for Jacksonville to win this game, I think they're going to have to throw the ball. That's why I like Shark, I like Minshew, and I like D.D. Westbrook this week. Okay, nice. Yeah, I could see that uh, 
that Jacksonville passing attack is something that you're uh, you're definitely all in on. So that's that works. And I do like D.D. Westbrook as well. I think that's a, a really good call by you and good information there that you brought with it. So um, the next game you have is the Titans and the Broncos. You get this barn burn, a, uh, an offensive juggernaut, right? We should see tons of scoring in this one, I'm assuming. Pass. I'm passing. I'm going to – no, I like I'm not <laughs> saying that there's going to be passing. I am passing on this game. No. Gross. Um, the only the only green line I have is uh, Derrick Henry. He I now I have to look this up. Um, but I believe he is a top twelve uh, running back this season. He is the RB seven in PPR. He is the RB eleven. Um, so Derrick Henry continues to get volume. Um, they continue to lean on the defense and the running game in Tennessee. He's got double-digit fantasy points in every week. And the Broncos have not been good against running backs. I mean, obviously, we saw that 225-point breakout from uh, Leonard Fournette. Uh, the following week, we saw Austin Eckler uh, catch 15 to 16 targets for 86 yards. Um, they've given up 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 8 Double-digit fantasy games to running backs this season. Derrick Henry is going to get a ton of volume. This is going to be a defensive game, so Derrick Henry is the only one that I would trust in this game uh, to start. Uh, there are a couple yellow lights. Uh, Delaney Walker, the Broncos don't necessarily um, cover tight ends well. They haven't since 2015 after um, they let their uh, main linebacker go, and I just forgot his name. Uh, he went to Chicago. Regardless, uh, they don't cover tight ends all that well. They haven't been terrible this season, um, though Darren Waller did kind of put up some numbers on them. Delaney Walker seems to be uh, – or has has come back and, and been Marcus Mariota's favorite target again this season as he has throughout his Marcus Mariota's career. So um, Delaney Walker probably will get enough volume to make him viable um, this week. Noah Fant, uh, I think, has a good chance to do something this week. He's a yellow light as well. The Titans have given up the seventh most fantasy points to tight ends this season. Uh, they've allowed three double-digit fantasy games uh, to tight ends, the most recent being 130 yards to Austin Hooper in week four. Um, they allowed Najoku to score a touchdown. They allowed uh, Eric Ebron to no, – yeah, Eric Ebron to score a touchdown. And last week they allowed Lee Smith to score a touchdown. So Fant has a legitimate chance to score a touchdown this week and maybe be the best pass catcher for the Broncos this week. Uh, Philip Lindsay, listen, the guy keeps producing. Uh, and regardless of Freeman's uh, – of Royce Freeman's um, – presence philip Lindsay is there always i mean he is the rb12 again again this season uh he has double digits in all but one game he is very involved in the passing game while the titans have been good against running backs uh philip Lindsay's just just is involved in every as aspect of the game and should be able to get enough volume to score a decent amount of fantasy points this week. So he is a yellow light just because the Tennessee Titans are good against running backs. Um, I think Emmanuel Sanders will be okay this week. Uh, the Titans are good against wide receivers, but um, if there is a position that uh, they do give up fantasy points to, it's that 
that wide type, that flanker type wide receiver. Um, Jarvis Landry had double digit fantasy points. T.Y. Hilton had double digit fantasy points. Uh, Shark and D.D. Westbrook had double digit fantasy points. Muhammad Sanu had double digit fantasy points. And then uh, Duke Williams and John Brown had double digit fantasy points. So I think Emmanuel Sanders of the two wide receivers for the Broncos that you would trust will be the one that will be okay this week. Um, and those, that's it for uh, the startable guys. There are a lot of red lights here. Don't, I mean, I'm not starting Joe Flacco. I'm not starting Mariota. Again, two very good defenses this week. The Broncos <clears throat> have allowed the second fewest fantasy points to QBs. The Titans have allowed the 12th fewest fantasy points to QBs. So I, I think this is going to be a running defensive game. Uh, so that, and then Corey Davis just, doesn't get enough volume. I think he's had one good game this season. Um, AJ Brown. I don't think you can expect the efficiency, but uh, to continue. But the Broncos are extremely good against wide receivers, even after um, they've lost cornerbacks. So, I mean, don't trust any of the pass catchers really uh, in this game, except for the ones I listed in the yellow lights. I, I don't like Cortland Sutton this week. And then obviously I mentioned Royce Freeman. I do not like him this week either. So this game is really, really gross. I honestly would just advise to start Henry and then nobody else really. Yeah, man. Well, I tell you what, those, those tight ends being yellow lights to me are, are very interesting. I wouldn't have thought with these two great passing defenses, uh, well, one good and one great, passing defense that uh, that the tight ends would be usable, but that's interesting because I've got those guys rostered, so I might look to, to fire one of those guys up if, uh, if I need help at the tight end position. So great. Again, Stompy, um, I'm going to go into the last game that I have here, and that is the Pittsburgh Steelers going to L.A. to take on the Chargers. Look, my green light here is Phillip Rivers. Um, I really feel like this is a game for him to get right in. Um, the passing weapons are getting healthier. Uh, Mike Williams is getting healthier. Uh, and Austin Eckler is still being used. He's a great passing watch weapon. Uh, Keenan Allen, while he's been inconsistent this year, he's still a top wide receiver option. Um, I think that this is a game where they can get right. They can throw the ball and uh, and get some points here. The reason why he is going to be my green light is because we have another offensive line injury, and that's the center. Um, it, it sounds like he's going to, to miss some time here, and uh, I think – the interior of this offensive line is starting to get banged up. We're starting to see that uh, the run blocking really wasn't very good for Melvin Gordon last week. I don't know that it's going to be great this week either. Pittsburgh's defense is very fast in the front seven. Um, I think uh, that's that's really where they make their hay, and I think they're going to give uh, the, the Chargers' run game a problem here. I think they're going to be an issue. So for me, my green light is Phillip Rivers. I think this is where he can get healthy. I, I expect a 300-yard game out of Phillip Rivers and maybe a score or two. So um, I think he's my green light. You can you can start him and expect um, a, you know, a, a nice game from him. Uh, my yellow lights, Austin Eckler. And look, Austin Eckler still usable. He's still, you know, he's he's still involved in that in that attack there. But you just wonder what the what the shares are going to look like. I mean, Melvin Gordon had about what a little over 40%, under 50% of the of uh, the timeshare last week. You wonder if that starts to increase. And then what is Eckler's role? I think he's an excellent pass catcher. He's still getting high volume in the passing game like last week. I think that'll continue. So I think he's going to be usable for a fantasy perspective because of that high volume in the passing game. I can see them using him a lot in this one. Um, I really feel like they're going to try to spread the Steelers out. Um, and that's kind of the way that they're going to try to beat 
beat them um, is by moving the ball vertically and horizontally to try to keep them guessing. So uh, Austin Eckler can be a big part of that in the screen game and that sort of thing. Um, so I think he's going to be fantasy relevant. I, I would temper my expectations, though. Again, we saw some big performances out of him before Melvin Gordon came back. I don't know that we can expect that kind of performance here in this one. My red lights fans, McDonald, look, he's he's uh, really struggled since Big Ben went down. Now it looks like we're going to be on our third string quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you know, Hodges is a guy out of Samford. He was an undrafted free agent. There's not a lot, you know, a lot known about him. But um, normally when you when you see a, a guy like this come into the game, you see the tight end kind of gain some fantasy relevance. I think Pittsburgh's really going to rely on the running game. Jalen Samuel is going to be out for a while. I think that means an uptick for James Conner and an uptick for Benny Snell. I could see those guys being involved in the passing game and the running game alike. Um Vance McDonald may have to stay in to block a little bit. Uh, you know, it's a lot of times some of these younger rookies have, have a hard time getting rid of the ball quickly, um, even with the game plan. So I, I think to benefit this young quarterback, Vance McDonald may be staying in to block a little bit more than he's supposed to, or a little bit more than he's used to as far as, uh, you know, his, his route. He, he normally ran routes a, a lot of times uh, on, on a lot of the passing plays instead of staying in and blocking. Um, in this offense, I don't know if that's going to continue. So he's a red light for me. I want to see it before I can trust him. And I don't, I don't know that this is the matchup I want to use him in. So um, Stompy, what do you got for me here? Is there anything else? I mean, uh, this is a James Conner game, I think, a a mini breakout game for James Conner. Uh, we saw last week Philip Lindsay ran all over and really received all over the L.A. Chargers to uh, the tune of 100 and. 47 yards and a touchdown. I think James Conner, now that Jalen Samuels is out, will be able to now break out a little bit um, this week. Uh, and then, what? so I have a question. What do you think about Mike Williams? Um, I just, he just seems kind of like a streaky player at this point, and that's all he really will be. I mean, you can trust Keenan Allen most weeks, but Mike Williams, it's kind of, he's more of a best ball special than anything. Yeah, it doesn't help that he's he's suffering with a back injury. And, you know, with like, you know, Stompy wide receivers, running backs, a back injury. I mean, that's that's not something that you can take lightly that can flare up at any point in time. You can take one hit and all of a sudden that back is, is you know, is is uh, is in pain again. So uh, I think that's that's the tough part here with Mike Williams is can we trust him throughout a game and how healthy is he? Is he going out there at 50, 60 percent? So it's hard to trust him at this point. Um, I don't know that I could week in and week out. Uh, but I think, you know, there are going to be some weeks when you're going to have to throw him in your flex and hope for the best. Uh, but I don't think that he's an every week starter at all. Yeah, yeah I completely agree with that. I just, uh, he doesn't get enough volume at this point to make me trust him. And then now with, and that's without Hunter Henry, now that Hunter Henry's practicing, I mean, I, I just don't know how much you can trust him moving forward. So. Yeah, no, I agree with that too, Stompy. I really do. So, um, all right. So I guess we are finished up here, Stompy. Uh, thank you again for uh, for joining me on the Start Sit. So thank you, the listeners, for joining us. And remember, join us next time and stay sexy and super flexy. Beautiful. <laughs>